Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So here's this week's teaching. You remember when you had your first job, how exciting it was, and then you actually started working, and maybe it wasn't quite quite as exciting. My first job, I, I earned two dollars and three cents an hour. I don't know why they bothered with three cents. Um, some fancy math formula uh, dealing with very small numbers back in uh, 1972 or three or something like that. It was the old AMP uh, in St. Catharines, and uh, I wasn't very good at it. But, uh, anyway, um, one thing we never had back then that I, that I recall were performance reviews. Now, um, in your work life, is that something that uh, you're accustomed to? Uh, such as, why don't you go ahead and step into my office? <laughs> Performance review time. And uh, so is that part of your, your work experience? Um, and uh, if it is, how do you feel going into them? Uh, excited, joyful, fearful? How do you feel? And do you fear these encounters, or do you actually welcome them? Um, I, I guess it depends on some things, doesn't it? It depends uh, on the criteria by which you're being evaluated, right? And uh, maybe the character of the reviewers. Are they good people? Um, do they really have the best interests of their company and their employees uh, in mind? Um, and maybe uh, the quality of your own work may figure into it. And if you're feeling good about the quality of your work and uh, your work ethic, uh, then, then perhaps uh, as well as your attitude and level of engagement, then maybe it's, it's not such a, such a fearful thing. Um, or maybe it is. Now, if annual reviews are the only time when feedback is given, that's a problem. I agree. But it's certainly better than nothing. Uh, but better than nothing isn't good enough. Uh, personally, I prefer ongoing feedback along with an annual review. In fact, I'm a little strange. I actually ask for them. Uh, isn't that strange, Pete? Uh, yeah, and, and they say, yeah, yeah, we, we, we got to do that. So they get the gang together, and, uh, and uh, they, uh, I call it the Pazirk Committee, Pastor and Staff Relations Committee, and, uh, and uh, we have a chat. And... And, uh, you know, the thing is, I I don't fear these times. Uh, I I trust the character. I trust the integrity of uh, the leadership here than the the ones that are assigned to such a task. And uh, we have good conversations. And and I I appreciate the fact that they are not a bunch of yes people. You know, um, They have expectations, as do I, going into such things. And, uh, you know, sometimes, my goodness, they might have to tell me something I need to hear that I might not want to hear, and they might have to do that. That hasn't happened yet, has it? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. But, but, But the purpose, you see, is not to crush the reviewed, in this case me, uh, nor is it to shy away uh, from saying things that I need to hear. Uh, and, and that's good. And if there's problems, uh, then I want a plan 
uh, going forward for uh, mitigating whatever problems there are, um, whatever solutions are reasonable, and, uh, and a commitment to work together and to solve whatever it is that uh, is maybe a little off track. And uh, unfortunately, my experience is not um, necessarily, um, you know, as good as my, my conversations have been, uh, some reviews are a total waste of time. Uh, you know, sometimes you run into a serious lack of training for how to help those that you lead, and that abounds in far too many workplaces. Bad news on your performance review, Wally. Everyone performed the same, but I'm required to grade you all on a curve, and I had to make up some flaws, and, and on it goes. Not, not too great. Um, and then some, you know, there's always new ideas coming from, um, you know, places like the Ivy School of uh, Business Management or whatever and places like that. And sometimes you get some new ivory tower leadership principle and it's tossed around and it sounds impressive. Uh, I've improved employee engagement by 19%. And the boss says, what is employee engagement? I'm not entirely sure. Then how do you measure it? I didn't expect so many questions, none at all, actually, but there you go. Um, expectations were a little skewed, and sometimes employee confusion, frustration, sometimes feeling the need to suck up, uh, burnout, trying to keep up the facade, turnover happens. Hey, SOC, your employee engagement has been a bit soft this quarter. I expect a higher level of irrational enthusiasm from the endless string of thankless tasks that you call your job. I also want to see an unnatural preference for work over leisure. Great. You know, um, it's always great when what you do for a living really fits who you are. I remember uh, uh, a scholar uh, that, that we brought in who had done an awful lot of work on, you remember Carl George back in the day? Were you there when they had the gathering with him? Uh, um, it was back in the late 90s probably, or early 2000s. Uh, did a lot of good writing, and uh, he said, uh, we said, we're sorry to put you to so much work. We had him just going, because we had him at Hanover for a few days and a Sunday, and, and what a, what a great experience that was. And uh, he says, no, don't worry about it. My job is my hobby. And I thought, what a great line. But uh, anyway, performance reviews, enough of this. What about God? You may come to expect it in your workplace or whatever it might be. What about God? Does he ever conduct performance reviews, do you think? And if so, by what criteria does he make his judgments? And and plan for your restoration to favor. This isn't a self-review. It's a God review. And uh, so by what criteria would God um, review you? Now, uh, like so many inspirational quotes, this one is for the most part true. God is more concerned about your heart than your performance. If your heart is right, your performance will eventually catch up. Amen. What do you think of that? You know, like, like most inspirational quotes, you know, there's, there's some good truth there, but it's just that we can sometimes, by appealing to something like that, downplay or excuse lack of obedience. Let's call it obedience. 
not performance, because that may be a troubling word for people who uh, believe strongly and firmly and passionately in grace. And, you know, we don't perform for God. He's just gracious to us, and uh, he loves us. We love him, and that's true, too. But, it, but remember what it says in, in Galatians. The only thing that counts is love um, working itself out in, or, what, oh, I missed the quote now. I lost the quote. Say that again. Yeah, there you go. And there's, there's another one that, that, uh, that I can't seem to draw on that, that pulls up the idea of, of uh, uh, love expressing itself and faith expressing itself. Of course, the book of James chapter 2 gets at that. So th- there's no reason for excusing lack of obedience, but maybe sometimes we, we, we tend to maybe do that um, because we're depending on, on grace. You know, uh, God requires specific things from his people. Uh, and, um, you know, but, but you know, uh, I'm nice. I got a kind heart. Um, but, you know, um, I can't bear to follow through on some of the things that God, God requires. Like, for example, I can't bear to discipline my kids because it might hurt them. They might feel hurt. Um, how does that go over with most parents? Not, not so good, does it? Uh, and it shouldn't. Um, God desires your heart. Oh, yes, he does. Not your performance. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to adopt you. He could just hire you. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. As far as it goes, but please understand that uh, the eternally faithful, protective love of God for you and me that will never let me go, will never shy away from telling me what I need to hear so I can do what I need to do and hopefully want to do because I love him and I long for his presence, I long for his blessing in my life. I love him, I know he loves me. And yes, he wants my heart, but he wants a heart fully uh, engaged and, and striving in the direction more completely towards obedience to what he tells us in his word. And uh, so today, uh, we hear from another Old Testament prophet, this time Hosea. Um, these prophets have a lot of good things to say to us. I mean, they wrote in a certain time frame, in a certain context, where they were dealing with particular issues and problems uh, that Israel or Judah were, were, were going through. Uh, but the words that uh, resonated then, or should have resonated, continue to have a resonance uh, these couple of millennia and a half uh, down the road. So... Hosea 6 begins with the words, Come, let us return to the Lord. Ah, how do those words resonate with you? How do those words make you feel? Um, They make you feel invited to God? Is it a kind of a warm, heartwarming thing to have God saying uh, through his prophet, Come, return to me? Well, of course, the returning implies that there's distance. And so maybe rather than an invitation, some people may hear this as a rebuke. Or maybe there'll be, you know, a kind of a repelling rather than a drawing uh, that that you could be feeling. And and so how do these words hit you Uh, as a winsome God always inviting his people and saying, look, we have some distance to deal with. Come on, 
Return to me. Don't run from me. Return to me. I'm not holding a baseball bat. Uh, return to me. Um, does it draw you or repel you? And before you answer, you may want to hear what comes next. Okay? Uh, because it might shock you what comes next, depending on how you view God and, and your understanding of Him, which always has to be expanding and growing and aligning with all of Scripture, not just our favorite parts, and certainly not aligning with merely inspirational quotes. So, come let us return to the Lord, and here's the part in blue and black. Uh, hopefully you don't feel blue and black as in bruised up when you read this. For it is He who has torn, and He will heal us. He has struck down, and He will bind us up how those words hit you. Love that tells me what I need to hear uh, said to Israel, and maybe by extension to uh, some of us from time to times, or all of us from time to times in our life, I've had to break you. Mm. And we say, what? God doesn't break people. Does he? I mean, last week I quoted Isaiah 42 and Matthew 12 that, that says that uh, God and, by extension, Jesus, who is fully and completely God in the flesh, He doesn't break bruised reeds, and He doesn't uh, blow out smoldering wicks. And so, this business of breaking has got to be inconsistent with that. And yet, the, this passage seems to indicate very directly, God speaking, I've had to break you. I've torn you, I'll heal you. I've struck you down and will bind you up. Now, the binding up and the healing is great, but this business of breaking us? Now, uh, let's understand there's a difference between um, discipline and abuse. And I hope that we know the difference. Sometimes that can get awfully conflated in, in people's minds as they've experienced such terrible things um, from people close to them. But there's quite a difference, an enormous difference. The thing is, abuse hurts, and sometimes discipline hurts, even if it's verbal, even if it's take a time out. You know, when we say to uh, our grandkids, time out, I'm sure it doesn't feel all that nice, and it might feel hurtful. Um, you know, and, and discipline and abuse hurt, but there's a very different uh, situation going on. Discipline can hurt, but the, and, and, and the purpose of the breaking and tearing and striking down here cannot be to utterly destroy because it's immediately followed up here with healing and mending and uh, a few verses later, raising up and restoring and refreshing. You see, sometimes healing requires a breaking. Do you know that? Pete, do you know that? Corrective jaw surgery. Uh, how many other than Pete have ha had, had that? Um, and I should have. Did you have that? And they had to break your jaw. I bet that wasn't very pleasant. Pardon? Yeah, well, that's, that's just not right, is it? I, I would ask them for your money back. Of course, in Canada, we don't pay, so uh, good luck. But sometimes a breaking has to happen. It should have happened to me. You ought to see my bite. I, 
my, my teeth join in one place over here. I don't know how I eat, but I do quite, quite well. But, but if your teeth are misaligned or the bite is just all over the map, um, sometimes this is the solution. No fun, but also no way forward unless it's done. And it hurts after the anesthetic wars out. I'm getting a definite affirmative from the back there. But, but the result is good. And uh, because of God's faithful love for Israel, uh, something graphically established in the first couple of chapters of Hosea, which I won't bother to uh, go on about, but read it, and, and, and which is then reinforced throughout Hosea, God tells them that he has to break them, strike them, be, because of the increasing distance between him and them. And it's not that God is now a sore loser because they've been going after other gods and buying into the ways of the nations. I mean, it's not that God is a sore loser, but the ways of the other gods and the nations were, were, were hurtful and death-bringing. It, it's, it's that the following of these gods brought death and destruction uh, at the cost of appeasing these no-gods. Um, uh, child sacrifice was part of the fertility cult on steroids. And, uh, and so um, little ones were sacrificed to Molech and uh, some of those uh, demonic no-gods. Um, you see, God simply loves his people way too much to let you keep going in such life-denying ways. And uh, the God that... Uh, see, the God of love is the God of truth. He breaks them because they are already breaking. They're already diseased. And they may not know it. And sometimes God has to act. And as we think of our own situation, we think, well, we are Canadian evangelical church people. We know God as, as well as anybody else. Maybe, maybe better. Well, of course better, right? Of course better. And uh, we don't have anything for which to be broken. We're not diseased in any way. Uh, and if so, well, show us the ways in which we are. Well, that would be another conversation. But lest we think that we've just got it all together, we've got our act, our thinking, and our, our, and our uh, behaving are all in alignment, we are growing in our capacity to emulate the attitudes, behaviors, and character of Christ. Well, hopefully that is a growing thing. But are there areas, corporately and individually, that may require corrective surgery? in order to bring about the healing. It goes on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip a few verses and then come, come back to the beginning, at the end. Um, so I'm deliberately skipping. God says, what shall I do with you, um, Ephraim, Judah? Your love is, is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Um, you know, your, your lovelessness. This is what I, you need to hear. I've had to break you because your lovelessness is destroying your God-given, God-image-bearing humanity in all the ways that that is meant to reflect the goodness 
and wisdom of God into the world and then reflect back his praises. Uh, your lovelessness is destroying your basic God image, humanity. Your love is fleeting at best. And, um, you know, when it, when it comes to what I desire, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having to hew you in by, by the prophets and I have to do a little killing with the words of my mouth. You ever been killed by somebody's words and thankfully then raised up again? If the, if the uh, attitude and intention is right, um, God says, look, I desire steadfast love. I desire that and not just sacrifice. And if you're going to sacrifice to me, let it be on the basis of and coming from the motivation of steadfast love, which probably, again, is that lovely Hebrew word, chesed. Uh, I desire the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So if you're going to offer your sacrifices and burnt offerings, uh, in that context, let it be from a foundational basis of the kind of love described here. And God says, I'm telling you what you need to hear because you're made in my image and I am love and I desire love. Not merely uh, rote obedience and not just bringing you know, what you got to bring and then, and then off you go, Nothing's, nothing ever changes. It appears to meet the requirements, but, but it actually doesn't. Because without love, you can never know me. Never mind, please me, or live under my benevolent blessing. It just can't be done. And it's not merely uh, your lack of feelings or of affection or that you can't pass a biblical knowledge exam. It, it's not that. It, it, it gets worse. At Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt faithlessly with me. Gilead, a city of evildoers. Uh, robbers lie in wait, and priests are banned together. They murder on the road to Shechem. They commit a monstrous crime. I'm not going to go into what, what those words directly connect to, um, but, but there it is. In the house of Israel, I've seen a horrible thing. Uh, Ephraim's spiritual whoredom, which sadly expressed itself more literally, is there. Israel is defiled, and you, Judah, also. There's a harvest uh, appointed for you. So without getting into the specific details of what these verses are referring to, the, the general picture is, is that of a people in a religion gone bad. So that those who align themselves with these priests and people find their basic God-given humanity being diminished. As loveless acts, lovelessness acts out in violence of all sorts. Verbal, but beyond verbal. That was Israel when Hosea wrote these words. So, you know, i got to tell you what you need to hear, Israel. And, and there's no way for love to restore. Now, without breaking Israel, and the God who broke them will break us, too, when lovelessness overpowers our hearts, when, when the true people of God called to exercise the kind of power that loves and serves others in the way of Jesus um, uh, falls off the radar. And sadly for Israel, it just keeps getting worse. Um, 
you know, I'm telling you what you need, you need to hear. Your lovelessness is destroying your humanity and your, your, your corruption is being exposed, not just because I see into your hearts and I know what you're thinking, but because actual corruption was just right out there front and center. When I would restore the fortunes of my people, when I would heal them, the corruption of Ephraim is revealed. Wicked deeds of Samaria, they deal falsely, and so on. Uh, but they do not consider that I remember all their wickedness. And now their deeds surround them, they're before my face. And by their wickedness, they make the king glad. Yeah, great. Great when you've got corrupt officials. Uh, I'm, I'm happy when wrongdoing is, is enriching me and the officials uh, you know, by their treachery. So that's, that's the bottom line. That's what Hosea was speaking into in the name of God. And, and uh, he, he brings them to this place. He said, you're all out of options. You know, when it comes to what's already happening and what will yet happen, you're out of options if you think that there's a way out of it apart from returning to the Lord. Um, Ephraim mixes himself with the peoples. He's a cake not turned. That just doesn't sound very good for some reason, kind of mushy. Foreigners devour his strength, but he doesn't know it. You know, Israel's pride testifies against him, yet they do not return to the Lord, their God, or seek him for all this. Um, they become like a dove, silly and without sense. Hmm. That one hurts. They call upon Egypt. They go to Assyria. He says, your foreign alliances are going to fail you because they are not reliable partners. and You might think they are, but they won't. And as they go, I will cast my net over them, uh, and uh, I will discipline them according to the report made to their assembly. They've strayed away from me, destruction to them, for they have rebelled against me. I would redeem them, but they speak lies against me. So you see, folks, my discipline will fall upon you. Your foreign alliances are worthless, and my discipline... Uh, is about to fall, will fall. They don't cry to me from the heart, uh, but they wail upon their beds. They make a lot of noise. They gash themselves uh, and, and so on. And yet it was I who trained and strengthened their arms, yet they plot evil against me. And, uh, you know, they turn to that which does not profit. Uh, they become like a defective bow. Their officials shall lie but fall by the sword because of the rage of their tongue. So much for their babbling in the line in the land of Egypt. And he says basically your efforts to align with those nations and idols that are worthless will prove to be empty and futile. And you'll have nothing left but rage. Nothing left but rage. You'll be enraged against me, you'll be enraged against the um, unreliable partners and the, the failure of their gods to deliver the goods. You'll have nothing left. And, and now the trumpet. Remember the trumpets of Revelation? And we actually um, referred to this verse as some of the Old Testament background of the trumpets which signal uh, impending and uh, more than impending uh, judgment falling. And so set the trumpet to your lips. Uh, Revelation 8 had a screaming eagle, but uh, here it's a vulture, a big bird and a, a predator uh, nonetheless, and one like a vulture, in this case uh, Israel's um, enemies in the form of Syria, Assyria, 
Babylon. They're over the house of the Lord because Israel's broken my covenant. Israel cries to me, you know what, God, we, we, we know you. Israel spurned the good, and the enemy will pursue them. So now the trumpet, that's the signal of the end as they have known it. Unless they recognize that all out of options except one. Except one. And that's where we go back to the top. Unless you heed the call. The invitation. Align yourself. Align with those who are coming to the end of themselves who are coming back to their senses, coming back to their God and responding to the invitation, come, let us return to the Lord. It's bottom line. Here we are, cutting to the chase. I've had to break you. Your humanity is diminished because of your lovelessness and your corruption is exposed. You're all out of options except return to me. Return to me. And what if you do? Return to me, acknowledging that it's his love that has told you what you need to hear so you can do what you need to do. When he breaks, it's so that he can heal. Heal us from the inside out. And it says, and these are the verses that I left out, save the good stuff. It's kind of like the icing. You don't eat the icing first. You save the icing to the end if you eat cake. At least that's how I used to eat cake. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we might live before him. Come return to the Lord. That's where healing, that's where revival, that's where resurrection, uh, that's where refreshing comes from. Let us know. Let us press on to know. It's like, you know, let us know. Well, you know, you say... Yeah, I, I know God, but there's a pressing on. Uh, there's an old hymn, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Um, and uh, the rest of it is gone. That's the important part. Let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. You may feel like we're getting far too much of that. Uh, in, in recent days. Uh, but showers are good. Rain is good. Um, and uh, how, how we need it when the land is parched, when we are parched, when the reservoirs are dried up, how we need the rain, especially in a uh, Middle Eastern climate, how they needed the rain. They knew what it how, how good it was. And uh, he says, return to me for refreshing. And the refreshing comes in knowing the Lord, pressing on to know this one who is willing to break us when we're off base, when our image bearing has degenerated into nothing more than uh, rote, spirituality. It doesn't even do to call it spirituality because there's no spirit. When corruption abounds, but when we get to the point where we know the options are all exhausted, will we do what Israel is said to have done? Not returning to him, not crying out to him, but wailing like a, like a feral cat 
on our bed, and those metaphors don't mix very well, but you get the point. Or is it about returning to me? So, about that performance review, or should I say heart check, if you were to have one right now, and maybe the Holy Spirit is doing one right now, because uh, he can say, come on into my office anytime, and, and he will. Uh, what, what does it reveal about you before God? Maybe you've already been broken and are beginning to receive that infusion of revived life and refreshing. And sometimes that breaking comes in ways we never could have imagined. That breaking that then, and, and the, the, the healing and the mending come in ways that, that we just maybe didn't see coming, but how thankful we are when revived life and refreshing starts to flow. Uh, maybe, um, I don't know, because I don't, I don't read minds and I don't read hearts. My wife can read what I'm going to say before I say it, but, uh, but that comes with long experience. But, but maybe you're still hedging your bets, thinking that some other option, any other option would be preferable to facing truth and facing love himself. Uh, if you think that, you're wrong. So why not hear what you need to hear so that you can do what you know you need to do? And, and so in whatever way that the Spirit is drawing you by, by these words, um, don't hesitate to return and find the refreshing and the healing and the uh, renewed vigor and the restoration to a greater degree of His image in us, which is love and all that flows from that. And if that's not where you're at, if you say, no, I'm, I'm good with God, then take the, the, the bones of these passages, take the teaching and share it with others. Share it with others. And uh, that way, everybody wins and God is pleased. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com, or on Facebook. Just search for Aylmer EMC.